Welcome to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. The Crossing Church exists to see every person restored to God and to the life He created them to live. And we want to walk through this journey with you. If you need help, prayer of any kind, or if you give your life to the Lord today, send us an email at church@thecrossing.cc. We would love to hear from you so a member from our care team will reach out to see how we can walk through life with you. We're so glad that you've joined us today. Enjoy the message. Thank y'all so much. Y'all have a seat. That's so kind of you guys. Uh, I want to say a great big thank you for last week. We had uh, pastor appreciation, and you guys wrote all kinds of sweet things on cards <clears throat> for us. And uh, I just got to th- say, <clears throat> I got to get where I can talk. Actually. <clears throat> I'm all choked up. <clears throat> <clears throat> but we're so thankful <clears throat> for the way, the appreciation that you showed us. One second. All right. Uh, As well, some of you wrote some very sweet things and gave some very sweet gifts to me on my birthday. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give back by telling you my age every single sermon. I know that'll be a big change for you, won't it? Uh, So appreciate that. I also want to give out a a thank you before we we kick the football here. I want to give some, some thank yous. This whole weekend, there's been a lot of ministry going on. Our men had a camp out. Dan Allinger and Garrick and uh, Pastor Reggie and folks, uh, all the men that you see kind of staring and sleeping during my sermon, it could be for two reasons, but mainly because they didn't get any sleep at their camp out. So I appreciate all of those that gave leadership to that. uh, Saturday morning, uh, Faith and Pastor Stacy met with a bunch of our student girls, and that was just a sweet time of ministry to them. Uh, Missing something, there was a, oh, there was a precious Hispanic church that was here. We uh, opened the church so that they could have a conference here. So we had, uh, I was in my office and I thought, that's not English. And uh, I don't have the gift of tongue. No interpretation here. But anyway, precious group of of women that were here yesterday worshiping. And uh, last night, there were some folks from our church, Justin. Of course, Justin, any place there's revival, there's Justin. But Justin and some guys from the church were in uh, at A&M on campus there. Uh, doing revival services. So just so you know, just a bunch of stuff going on everywhere. And what I appreciate is both uh, uh, just serve teams and folks just, just spending their, their gifts. What we want you to do, don't, you don't have to wait for the church to give you a position or something. Man, you're called. And, uh, you know, sometimes you can't really find a spot necessarily on Sunday. There's only so much to do. Uh, but man, Monday through Friday, there's so much ministry opportunity, and I just want to encourage you, as, as you are prompted, man, go touch people. Just go touch people, come up with ideas. But anyway, I just want to celebrate all the ministry that's happening on Monday to Friday uh, and Sunday, but certainly Monday to Friday. So anyway, I appreciate, appreciate that. Uh, let, let's get into this. Uh, one more thing. I'm sorry for all the announcements. Uh, I got to challenge my millennials. All of my young folk, you know, we're, uh, we're taking this survey, so I want to encourage all of my millennials. I found out just through looking at some of the results from our church survey, that's that card that you've got there, and we're asking everybody to participate. But uh, our baby boomers, that would be folks in my age group, are far outperforming uh, on the survey uh, our, our millennials, and uh, we, we need to hear from y'all. Sincerely, we need to hear from all of our, all of you that are sort of in the small children age and coming up through your 20s and your 30s, uh, young 40s. Man, we, man, I need to hear from you because 
we're basically putting this together. Y'all have got to carry the water. I mean, y'all are, we're doing this for you and we, we want to empower you. So let me know what you need so I can, you know, we can shape up next year to, to give ministry to you. So uh, we did notice by the age groups and for crying out loud, don't let a boomer outperform you. Have some pride for crying out loud. There you go. There we go. Now we got that challenge going. So, all right, open your Bibles, uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, gang. I'm taking a break from our series. And uh, because of all that's happening in Israel, we're going to pick up the series again next week. So this is going to be a quick drive-by. I mean, seriously, a drive-by. Let me go ahead and say in advance, uh, this kind of a message sort of expects a lot of the listener. And so I understand I'll say some things. Those of you that maybe are new to faith or new with us, I'm going to try to stay very sensitive that I'll sort of assume things on you as the listener. And uh, but so before we get started, uh, because of the pace I'm going to go at, I want to give you some resources, uh, just some some people that if you want further understanding of this, uh, my, my first choice would be Dr. David Jeremiah in speaking and teaching on the end times. He does such a great biblical job and he makes it so simple to understand. And he's just got a wealth of knowledge and books and teachings. Dr. Uh, Jimmy Evans, another great source. Joel Rosenberg, another great source. So any teaching on Israel and how it affects the end times, Google end times, find those guys. There's a lot of crazy stuff out there too. So if you need some help, shoot us an email at the church to say, is this guy, uh, is this guy sane or is he, uh, uh, whatever. We can help you with it because I want you to get good teaching. I do want you to get some, some good teaching. Uh, but I'm going to run, run a lot of stuff that you're going to go, what does that mean? I'm going to try to help everybody. So anyway, just, just know that if you th- think, what, what does that mean? It's, it's okay. You can find out. And, or come up and ask me afterwards, and I'll help you. Everybody good? Okay, so uh, all right. So let's get into this. Uh, yeah, October the 7th. Uh, you guys have watched juniors. Nobody in here is unaware of the attack of Hamas on Israel. Uh, and what is, I mean, there's always headbutton between Israel and, and Hamas, Israel, and Hezbollah. This was different. This was up m- many times, uh, a, a vicious, heartless attack. And honestly, I don't know, you know, they, they came into the kibbutz. Those of you that have been to Israel with us, we've always gone to some of the kibbutz. That's simply just little villages uh, little towns of people that, that basically kind of work and function in a community type, a commune type way to help one another. And uh, these, these guys that attacked, they didn't attack military posts. They went into just towns where just moms and dads were, were taking care of their kids and shopping and just doing their normal stuff and just mowed people down, just killed Jews simply because they were Jews. And uh, that anti-Semitic spirit that's just throughout our world, they just killed them because they were Jews. And uh, Israel very quickly declared war. And again, I don't understand the level of evil. Even, even an evil person, how can you uh, decapitate a, a baby? Or some of the horrible ways that they went about making their statement of how ruthless that they are. Uh, there's, I only have one explanation, which is it's demonic. There's just nothing. Listen, Satan hate that doesn't have any compassion whatsoever for, for your children. Satan wants your children. Satan wants to kill your children. That ought to cause the mama and daddy in you to rise up and say, it ain't going to happen. And I don't my watch. 
so, but we need to understand he is ruthless. However, we do host the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit uh, has quite a bit of horsepower. So we're not defenseless here. But so Israel declared war back, and the bombs started dropping. And uh, so just, just so we know verbally, some good language here. I've heard some uh, sort of reckless news reporters saying, you know, Israel is attacking the, the Palestinians. The war is not with Israel and the Palestinians, please. The Palestinians are a precious people that are in the West Bank and in the the Gaza, in those areas. And uh, we we have people, uh, we have people, I'll just say it that way, who do a lot of work in those those territories. And uh, these are serious, godly people that are going in there. Your dollars, uh, many, many of them, go to reaching out to those folks that are, are being talked about right now, there's many Christians over there because of you that are in the West Bank. And so when we start to use that kind of vernacular, Israel's war is not with the Palestinians. Those people are caught in the crossfire. It's against Hamas. That is a militant Islamic radical group. And so uh, just... For me, it's important to keep our language really clean because it's easier to make just a big box and just go, oh, kill the Muslims or all this. Hang on, hang on, hang on. We need to be very accurate uh, because we represent God and, and, he, and I promise you, he loves those precious people that are caught in this crossfire. So the war is there and um, I, I, I've been asked lots of questions about it. And, and here's, here's the, the question is, why do we as believers, why do we even care about Israel? Why do we even care about Israel? Why is that important to us? There is a theology, and, it's, and it's, there's, there's actually more of it taught in our seminaries than, than not taught, called replacement theology. What is replacement theology? It basically says this, that when Israel turned their backs on God and rejected him, God replaced Israel, the Jews, with the church. So he wiped his hands of any of his promises he had made to the Jews and said, I'll leave y'all, it all goes to the church. Now here's the good news, all of it does go to the church. But not, it, it, but it, what we've not replaced Israel. So for starters, I want to give you a perspective on how we as the church need to look. And let me say this, I know many of you probably come from churches or, 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 or thinking that have been taught that. And I'm not going to fight you on it if, if that's your hard stance or whatever. I'm going to show you in Scripture where there's actually another way to look at it and, and um, you, you, you make your own mind up. I mean, if you want to fight about it, we can, but I just... I'll take you out on the pickleball court. We'll play it that way. That's raw. My wife's pickleball coach is right there, man. If you want to know why she's so good... <laughs> We love Rob, man. We so appreciate Rob. All right, so why, why does the Israel matter to Christians? Uh, here's Romans 11, and, and, and man, there's not, any, there's not any more potent theological book in the Bible than Romans. And uh, Paul, he describes himself as a Jewy Jew. I mean, you know, circumcised on the eighth day, a Pharisee of Pharisees, as to the law. I mean, he loves throwing his resume out there about how wonderful he was. And uh, but so here he is now speaking to this topic. Has God rejected the Jews 
and it's only the church. Romans 11.1 says, I ask, Paul's saying, I ask then, has God rejected his own people, the nation of Israel? Of course not. I myself am an Israelite, a descendant of Abraham, a member of the tribe of Benjamin. No, God has not rejected his own people, whom he chose from the beginning. I mean, that's as clean and clear as you get scripturally and how our seminaries are pounding this out. And great theologians are, are, are throwing that out there. Uh, anyway, I, I don't get it. But okay, uh, it is convenient. It is convenient to do that uh, because Israel's such a mess. But let, let's stay with me. Romans eleven eleven. Paul continues, did God's people stumble and fall beyond recovery? Again, of course not. They were disobedient, so God made salvation available to the Gentiles, but he wanted his own people to become jealous and claim it for themselves. Now, if the Gentiles were enriched because the people of Israel turned down God's offer of salvation, think how much greater a blessing the world will share when they finally accept it. I mean, Paul is predicting something here, and we, we may live to see how powerful an effect on the rest of the world when the Jews have the light come on and they receive their Messiah. I'm gonna, that's my case, actually. That's my case for what, some of what you're seeing. So uh, you can tell, am I for or against, or against uh, replacement theology? I'm, I'm against it. It's, it's simply not. Uh, I'll give you a perspective, but let, let, let's keep going. Uh, we are grafted into the family. We, we've not replaced the Jews. We've been grafted into all of those promises. And uh, Paul, so Paul continues, but some of, of these branches from Abraham's tree, some of the people of Israel, in other words, have been broken off. And you Gentiles, that would be you and me and most of us, who were branches from a wild olive tree have been grafted in. So you now also receive the blessings of God that God has promised Abraham and his children. So yes, all of those promises to Israel, and they're ours, but, uh, but Israel hadn't been counted. They're still Israel's as well. Sharing in the rich nourishment from the root of God's special olive tree. So we share them. But you must not brag about being grafted in to replace. Everybody say replace. Don't brag about, we, we hadn't replaced. Don't brag about being grafted in to replace the branches that were broken off. You are just a branch, not the root. So Paul gets a little Jewish pride about him to go, y'all, you Gentiles, remember, we're, we're the root of this thing. Y'all are just the branches. So how are we to relate then? I mean, so let's get really straight with each other. Uh, the Jewish people at large are a very cold-hearted people, both toward God and toward Jesus and toward Christians, okay? How, how did that happen? We didn't help. Over all of history, we did not help. When they rejected, when they rejected God, yes, God put a veil over their heart. But beginning from the time in 70 AD when they were dispersed and went on the run, the, the, uh, 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 the lie that was imposed upon their, their race was that they were the Christ killers, and because of that, God, the best thing that could happen is to rid the world. And so through the Crusades, they were killed in the name of Jesus. While, while, while Jews were put in a temple, men, women, children, 
and it burned. The crusaders on the outside sang praise and worship to Jesus. Ferdinand kicked them out. Martin Luther, the great reformer, we get a lot of our theology from Martin Luther. Martin Luther, though though understood grace and started what became the evangelical world separate from the the Catholic uh, ways, Martin Luther hated the Jews. And he wrote that their temples should be burned down, their houses should be burned down, and they should be done away with. And Hitler based his arguments for eliminating the Jews. He, he based his argument in the name of God on Luther, my, one of our forefathers, laid the foundation ignorantly, uh, deceptively, but nonetheless, Hitler based his premise on, on, the, on a reformer, Martin Luther's teaching, and tried to eliminate the world for Jews. This spirit of anti-Semitism, you, you may say, Pastor, Listen, have you been to New York? Have you been to New Jersey? Have you met? I remember the first time, man, I'm a, I was just a, a country Southern man and I just loved the Jews. I'd never met a Jewish person, but I just loved them because my mother told me I was supposed to. And uh, the first time I went to New Jersey and somebody said, oh, I just hate those Jews. I went, oh, what, what in the world? Well, I got on an airplane headed to, 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 to Jerusalem with the whole thing was filled with Hasidic Jews kind of get it. <laughs> I don't mean that. I'm just being real with you. And if there's anybody Jewish here, I mean, this is broad brush stroking, but you know, they're kind of prickly. And, and we talked to the, the uh, flight attendants and they said, oh, only certain people can fly this flight because the, these folks are so rude. Well, I found that to be true on that particular flight. And, but listen, there's lovely, less like every, there's lovely folks and there's Less lovely folks in every every race, and uh, you, you could say, "Well, it's it's because of that." And I want to want to give you another view. I believe it is satanically driven to hate the Jews. I want to say this: Are are they? This is your broad brushstrokes, uh, but are they a little prickly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's in their bloodstream. They've had to survive and count on nobody. And so when, you call, when we go over there and say, we want to win you to Jesus, and a good, zealous Western Christian comes over to, to be a missionary, you don't say missionary. You, uh, you know, when I speak of representation in that part of the world, we do not use that language. It's dangerous language. It's a, it's a death sentence language. You understand me? And uh, it's, it's against the law to proselyte in the land of God, in the land of the Messiah, it is against the law to proselyte into Christianity. How, 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 this doesn't make any sense. Then why didn't God just wipe his hands of him? I'm glad you asked. Let me ask you this, though. How, how do we relate to them? Here's how. Uh, we, we are in covenant with our Heavenly Father. We are sons and daughters of God, yes? Okay. In our family, our elder brother is estranged from our dad and our family. Our elder brother... We love our elder brother. Some of you may have families where one or the other, somebody's estranged from the rest of the family. And it's, it's awkward. It's painful. And our father loves the Jews. Our father still loves dearly. They are, if you will, in this setting, sort of the prodigal son. They are off doing their own thing, angry at dad, 
rebellious toward dad, do not want dad telling them what to do, and feeling very uh, left out. Well, so here's the thing. As we pray for them, we don't pray for them like them Jews and all. They're our older brother and they're estranged. So we pray according to the will of God that God would open their hearts and that they would come. They don't get saved any other way than we do. They, they come in through Jesus. But gang, that's a very difficult door for the Jewish people at large because. So that's how we relate. Everybody understand? That's why it's important to us. There are, and listen, here's the good news. There's a day coming when God's going to restore the whole family. The whole family's coming back together. Serious Thanksgiving. All right, so that's why they're important to us. We're related. Number two, why does Israel matter to God? This is where we get into our kind of the prophetic part of this. Now, some of you are prophetic students. Uh, students of, of uh, Those of you that go to the Saturday night uh, prophetic class, uh, if you don't and you want to get more information on it, c- come join us on Saturday nights. Uh, there's a good group that meets. Uh, I don't know the times. and You can catch it online. But uh, So now we're getting into the prophetic stuff. This is stuff written, written 2,600 years ago. And uh, what I want you to, to know is to, tonight when you go to check your news, you're going to read, you're going to see with your eyes prophecy coming into alignment written 2,600 years ago. You're going to open your Bible, and you're going to see, man, this is happening. This is actually happening. So here's Ezekiel. Uh, he is a uh, Babylon. The, the, the Israel is in Babylon, and you could think he's writing simply to the Israelis in Babylon, but I'll, I'll show, you, show you why. Why does Israel matter to God? Uh, uh, Ezekiel 36.22 says this, Therefore say to the house of Israel, Ezekiel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake. Now underline that in your Bible, if you've got a real Bible. <laughs> Which you have profaned among the nation wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, underline that. Which, you, which has been profaned among the nations, plural. Which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall... Know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Now, again, I don't have time to dig in and kind of prove my point here. But he's not simply speaking. Israel was not in nations when Ezekiel was prophesying. They were in nation. They were in Babylon. He goes on to speak through 36, 37, 38 in Ezekiel that in the, in the latter times, he speaks and lets us know that's what he's talking about. He's speaking of, of what's going on right now. Israel has been regathered from all over the world. 70 AD, they were scattered. Their, their, their culture was scattered and done away with. Their language done away with. They had no land. And this has never happened in the history of the world where after 1,900 years... Jews got their land back. It was already deeded to them by God, but it was recognized by the rest of the world that this was their land. And miracle of all miracle, God did what he said he would do. He gathered them from all, and has been gathering them from all over the world. We had the opportunities to sit with uh, a lot of these. I remember sitting with uh, uh, precious 
probably 19-year-old girl from New York. I remember her nails were done perfectly. Her hair was right. And uh, just just makeup all done up and uh, with an AK machine gun over her shoulder. And I thought, that that's dangerous, you know. Uh, so this, I, and, and, I, and she, had, she had lived in New York. Parents were quite well off. She had the American dream. She had nailed down, going to college. And, and she moved and made citizenship in Israel where she's not going to college and going to Starbucks every day. She's having to carry an AK and join the military and defend her country. I mean, Miss Nails and Shoes and, uh, you know what I'm saying? You're, you know what I'm saying? I, and uh, being an American and thinking, precious baby girl, what are you thinking? I said almost that, uh, but she had a gun, so I was easy. I just said, hey, what are you doing here joining the army? You know what? She, could, she just said, I made a, my, my senior trip here. My parents let me come to, and something happened in my heart. I, this is my home. But listen, they lined up person after person from Ethiopia, from Russia, uh, America, all over. Uh, we asked that when we would go to, to these, uh, the, the places where they come, the absorption centers, when we came to talk to them, I would always ask that question. What are you doing? Why did you come to this little piece of dirt? I mean, this is the most dangerous place on the planet. Why did you leave where you're at? All of them said the same thing roughly. One, they didn't know. They just said, man, I, we, we came here. I felt drawn here. What in the world is that? That is God fulfilling his word. And it doesn't make any logical sense. They just said, you know what? We knew that was home. And it's, I, I remember speaking to a very prickly little lady from the Jewish agency. We got into it a little bit. And, uh, I, and, and I was trying to witness to her, which is not like me, guys. I'm not real forward. Something took over me. We were in a uh, a hotel things with people banging glasses and drinking and all kinds of stuff and a group of pastors and this this prickly Jewish lady. And, uh, you know, we got to going back and forth. And I, I the word holy homesickness, that's where it birthed when I was in Jerusalem talking with her. I said, these people are coming from all over the world. And it's because God, I mean, I was trying to convince her, God is the one drawing them and he's putting a holy homesickness in their hearts to come back here. That is miraculous. That's why they're coming back. And she worked for uh, the Jewish agency. She said, she said, and our men are going and laying down their lives and young men are sacrificing their lives in, in places where it's hard to get to. They're laying down their lives to get them back. And I said, yes. And that's because of your God. Because your God did the same thing. In order to get you back home, he sent his son to lay down his life. And we went back and forth like this. And I'm thinking, who are you? What happened to quiet and meet Pastor Randy? That's, this was a moment. This was a powerful moment. This prickly Jewish lady. I mean, she was tough as nails. I wouldn't have fist fought her. She's tough as nails. But in her toughness, man, she's just, she's crying. She's I don't know why I'm crying. Uh, my point is simply, God has miraculously stirred this. It's a, it's a miracle. These people are coming from every. Why? What did he say? Why are you gathering them, God? God said this. It isn't because they're just wonderful, lovely people. Not because they behave. Not because they worship me. I put my name on it. Because of my great name, Ezekiel, that's why I'm going to do this. And I'll tell you, here's what we need to take away from this. Once God puts his name on a covenant, 
you can take it to the bank. He continues on here. Hebrews chapter six, speaking of this covenant, uh, says, when God made his promise, his covenant to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. It's the Jewish custom of needing somebody of higher authority to keep you accountable to your covenant. If you break your covenant, you go to the higher authority, they give you a punishment or tell you how to make recompense. Uh, and I told you I was gonna go fast. When I, could, when I could swear by nobody else, God said, I swore by my own name. I put my name on saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. That's speaking of Israel. And so, uh, so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. When, when men swear by somebody greater than themselves and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all arguments. Because God wanted to make, uh, this is what I want you to hear about Israel. He wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose. This is what he wanted to say. There's an unchanging nature of my purpose. I want to make it very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. I wanted to make the unchangeableness of my purpose known. So by doing that, I put my name on it. Why Israel, after 1900 years, have they been regathered? Because when God made a promise to Abraham, he made an everlasting covenant. Everlasting covenant. It wasn't based on how good the people were. It was based on him putting his name on it. He said, once I put my name on it, they can act like they want to, but the train has left the station. There's an unchangeableness to my purpose for Israel. It will be done. I will gather them. And he has before our eyes. This ought to start to help you. Now, can you think of another covenant that he's put his name on that ought to start to cause your faith to rise? If God went so far for a very bristly, rebellious people, not because of how sweet they are, but because he said, I would do it, because I committed to it, I'm gonna do it, and he's doing it. The unchangeableness of his purpose. Can you think of another covenant that ought to give you rise? Hebrews 6 continues, it continues. Verse 18 says, therefore, we have fled to him for refuge. That is us believers. Uh, we've fled to him for refuge. Those of us who have can have great confidence. Everybody say confidence. Great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is strong and trustworthy, an anchor for our souls. Man, hear me. When God put his name on you, when he made covenant through Jesus to you and you accepted that covenant, he put his name on you. And that's why you can act, have good days and bad days and get wambly and get off. Here's what's happening. He's put his name on you. And because he's put his name on you for the sake of his great name, he's going to get you in the end zone. By the sake of his great name, he's going to protect, provide, and put you in the end zone. That is good news. That's really good, good news. So praise God. That's why we care about Israel. That's why God cares about Israel. His name's on the line. That's really, that's just really good. I, I love his name is on the line. Why does Israel war? Why is, does Israel's war with Hamas matter to us? We're going to continue. We'll continue in Ezekiel here. So we go to we go to thirty eight now. Uh, thirty eight verse one. This is another message that came to me from the Lord, Son of Man. Turn your face. Now this is a difficult reading, so I'll help you. Turn your face toward Gog. What, what's a Gog? A Gog is a leader of some sort. We don't know just yet. Gog of the land of Magog. 
That's convenient. They kind of rhyme. Uh, the prince who rules over the nations of Meshach and Tubal. Okay, so for the sake of time, I'm going to just tell you where these, these are. Okay, and I would, I would reference Joel Rosenberg's research on these names and places because that's where, that's where we all get it. Uh, so Gog, the land of Magog would be Russia. The prince who rules over those nations, Meshach and Tubal, these would be the old Soviet Union. These are all your stands, your Uzbekistans and Tajikistans and all the stands. So that entire group right there. Here's what he's saying. Prophesy against him. What's him? Gog is the name of the ruler, not the country. So to play this out, if we were talking about this moment we're standing in, God was speaking 2,600 years ago, saying, Ezekiel, prophesy to Vladimir Putin and tell Vladimir, Vladimir, stop posing with your shirt off. But beyond that, <laughs> grossing us all out. Uh, prophesy against him. Give him, this, give him this message from the sovereign Lord. Gog, I'm your enemy. That's never good. Stick that, but that's a side note. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws to lead you out with your whole army your horses and your charioteers in full armor, great hordes of armed, uh, armed with shields and swords. Put into current context your airplanes, your tanks, all your missiles, all your nuclear capacities. That's what makes Russia big and bad. I mean, they're kind of demonstrating they're really not that strong a fighting force. But, but they become a little bigger and badder because of the capacities nuclear. God basically says, give, it, give me your best shot. God, hit me right here. Give me a best shot. I'm going to slap you, boy. God says, I'm, I'm pulling him out. Now, here, here we get to some words that we can't understand. Persia, which we know is modern-day Iran. Now, 1935, it was Persia up to then, changed to, to Iran. So we know Iran's a player in this. Ethiopia, which is actually the Sudan area and Ethiopia. Libya will join you, too, with all their weapons. Gomor, I've not gotten confident in who that might be. And all its armies will also join you, along with the armies of Beth Togomar, which most believe is Turkey. So these are, these are all the surrounding areas from the distant north. There's something we can understand. And many others. What, what is this scripture telling us? It's telling us that at some point there's going to be an alliance that's going to come down onto Israel. That alliance is going to involve Russia. It's going to involve Iran. It's going to involve those surrounding countries. Turkey's just, Erdogan has never been a friend to Israel. They get along because they have to get along. I, I don't trust that guy. I've never trusted that guy. Anyway, Turkey's leader. All of those leaders around there, something's going to happen that causes them to come into alignment. For, listen, for hundreds of years, Russia and Iran were enemies. They hated each other. But at one point, one needed money, one needed weapons. Uh, and they, they, be, they begin to make an alliance, and they're in an alliance right now. We know that, Russia, that Iran is behind uh, uh, Hamas and uh, what's going on in, uh, which Majigar up north? Uh, Hezbollah, thank you. Hezbollah up north. Uh, and we know at some point, and gang, I would encourage you, I don't have time to rehearse some of the stuff in their, their covenants, but Iran... Uh, and Hezbollah, they have a, a joint covenant. And it simply states, until every inch of Palestine is returned to Islamic rule, 
we declare jihad on the Jews. They're not just trying to, they're, they're trying to wipe the Jews out. It's in their covenants. Ahmadinejad years ago stood before the UN and stated it plainly. We're going to destroy every Jew. And until every Jew is destroyed, we won't rest. Plainly. And why somebody didn't take him out? Anyway, uh, this, is, this is part of their covenant. So it's, they're building, they either have a nuclear weapon or they're, I keep hearing they're within weeks, they're within weeks. Here's what we know. At some point, they're going to have nuclear capacities and their first target is going to be Israel. Gang, here's what makes this, General, General Boykin said, what makes this dangerous where we're at right now is that used to, in, in World War II and other, other wars, both sides didn't want to die. We have a war that's, that's ramping up where one side finds great honor in dying because that's the only way you're guaranteed to go to heaven. For all you people, we could offer you a lot better deal than that, by the way. Uh, but, you know, if you die in battle as a, as a, as a Muslim, then that's the only way you're guaranteed to heaven. So we got one side that's anxious to die. This makes this far more dangerous where we're at right now. And here's what we know about Israel. Iran's not going to send a nuclear warhead to, they're not going to get that far. There is, if your neighbor said, I'm building a gun and when I finish it, I'm going to come over and shoot your wife. How many of you are going to wait till they finish building their gun? You're going to get, you're going to go in, load up and you're going to head over to that house and take care of business. Israel can't be talked out of what they're going to at some point need to do to Iran to assure that nuclear doesn't get sent. They know probably more than we know. What could happen if they decide to, to, to fire at Iran? What if Iran wants to get into this? All of these are the speculations. Here's what I need you to hear today. Oh, we could play this and be pretty accurate on what's going to happen. What's happening right now on your television is the alignment of this align, alliance. 2,600 years ago, I'll bring you back together. That's happened miraculously. I'm going to put a hook in the jaw of an alliance, and I'm going to bring them down. Now, here's the question. Why? I mean, Pastor, what's causing this hatred toward the There's a lot of hatred, but we have to be honest with the Scripture. God says, I'm actually going to start this war. I'm going to put a hook in all of these people's jaw. I'm I'm going to do this. There's There's a purpose in it. Let's see if we can find it real quick. Covenants everlasting. Boom, boom, boom. Let's jump down to Ezekiel 39. Uh, So we're in 38, now we're in 39. These are the prophetic. Many of you prophecy students would know these. 39.1 says, Son of man, prophesy against Gog. We've heard that. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. I am your enemy. We've heard that, O Gog, ruler of the nation of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around and drive you toward the mountains of Israel, bringing you from the distant north. That would be absolutely uh, Turkey and Russia coming from the distant north. I will knock the bow from your left hand and your arrows from your right hand, and I will leave you helpless. You think the Iron Dome is protecting Israel. Guess what? There's another iron dome protecting Israel. 
you and your armies and your allies will all die. That's never good for God to tell you that. On the mountains, I will feed you to the vultures and wild animals. You will fall in the open fields, for I have spoken, says the sovereign Lord. I will rain down fire on Magog and on all your allies who live safely on the coast. Then, here's, here's God's motive. Then they will know I am the Lord. In this way, I will make known my holy name among my people. Gang, that, there, there's your ding, 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 ding moment here. That's what God, it, this is all about this. This is about our older brother having the wake-up call to go, oh my God, oh my God. I will make my name known to my people. I will not let anyone bring shame on it and the nations too, I love that, will know that I am the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. That day of judgment will come, says the Sovereign Lord. Everything will happen just as I have decided. What the scripture goes on to say is I'm gonna pour out my spirit on Israel. So let's, let's back up. He's gonna bring this coalition of all of these different armies. Guys, you know, Israel's eight million people. That's it a tiny little speck of dirt. And these millions, all larger nations are gonna bring their armies down. God with a hook, dragging them down. Okay, you guys right there, you guys there. All around where there's absolutely no logical way that Israel can defend itself. The Iron Dome won't be able to, to stop all of the missiles. And God is going to, miraculously destroy all of the enemies of his child. And they are going to see it. I remember talking to a guy named Menachem when we were there. Everybody in Israel has fought in a war. And I was talking to Menachem, and I was asking about the Six-Day War, and he had fought in, that, he fought in the war. And I said, man, you guys were surrounded by Egypt and all these other armies, and uh, outgunned, outmanned, and, and outspent in every single way. And yet you guys made a, a preemptive attack, took charge of the air, and you guys took back Israel, I mean, took back Jerusalem and the Golan Heights in six days against unfathomable forces. This is a, just a, again, another precious, prickly Jewish man. And I said, man, can you see... Search, I mean, somehow God must have been in that to do that in six days. And he was like, ha, 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 ha. I mean, just no, no fear of God. No, we are strong. They are stupid. Our enemies are stupid. We will always defeat our enemies. Just strong. Now, they did do it, but they didn't. I mean, it's, it's like your dad being behind you when you're talking trash to a bully and he runs. They're not afraid of you. It's your daddy going, put you up, you better. Uh, he couldn't hear it. God, here's what God's point is. Okay, you couldn't hear it then. I'm going to bring unfathomable numbers down on you, Israel, so that when I protect you and I defeat your enemies, every one of those cold hearts that say, it's because we are Jews and we are proud, every one of you are going to bow your knee and go, Father, God is our God. Jesus is our Messiah. I'm going to open their hearts. I'm going to place my name on them. Not only on them, it says, and the nations too. I believe, 
sincerely, I believe this moment that we're reading about, that is getting aligned right now. We're watching it on our, these, it's getting aligned, it's getting set in place. The, the plate, the tectonic plates are shifting. The alignments are being made for this to happen. I believe it will be since the crucifixion and the resurrection. It'll be the greatest revelation of God to humans ever. It will be so clearly God demonstrating himself. I mean, we have a revelation through Jesus, praise the Lord. We have a revelation through the scripture of God. He's going to come so near and make himself so known. All of Israel's going to say, it's him. But not just them. I believe Islamists and Muslims and people around this earth, will, they will not be able to look at that without going, oh my God, it's him. It's God Almighty. There's no other way. He's going to reveal himself. And I, I believe that the fastest ingathering of human salvations in the history of the world is going to happen quite quickly. You're going to be on one side or the other. But hearts are going to be melted like that. He's going to pour his spirit into our older brother. And our older brother's going to say, I want to come home. And our family will be rejoined. There's a tricky thing about prophecy. It's hard to tell where does that, where does this war fall? Is this, is this now, pastors, later? I mean, you're, you're, you're really great prophecy teachers. Usually have it pretty tidy. You know, you got your return of Jesus, three and a half years exactly, that happened, three and a half years that happens, and then these wars and that. And I'm fine with that. I don't, I don't trust that. I'm fine with it, but the Bible says we know in part, we prophesy in part, we look through a glass dimly. I'm, I'm not as confident that all of this falls on our chart. I love the charts. I just don't think it's that tidy. I don't know where this war, war falls. If you want to know, I'm a, my position is I'm a pre-tribulation rapture position. Okay? But, but hear me. Uh, I've heard brilliant theologians teach and, 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 you know, bring scripture and look at it a different way. Again, I'm going to aggravate people on both sides. Uh, my confidence is not in my plan anymore. I love the charts, but the older I get, the more confident I am in the person of God and his character. Whether it's one trip, two trips, mids, and the post, if he wants to come 12 times, I, however he wants to do it. I mean, I believe what I believe, and I believe, but I'm not sweating my plan. My confidence, here's, here's what, we're going to talk about this in, in January when we go through the book of Daniel. But Daniel predicts this. Look, those who know their God will do exploits. Not those who know their Bible, not those who know their eschatology. Those who know their God will do great exploits. Those who know their God will shine brightly as the stars. Those who know their God will have understanding. I want to push you. Yes, Rosenberg, Jimmy Evans, look at those guys. That's, it's fantastic. It's great. But your confidence isn't in the tidy plans. Confidence is in the person of God. We need to draw close to God. And here's what I've been praying. God, reveal yourself. Every generation has warm places where the generation warms toward the return of Jesus. Every generation. I've had two now in the 70s, 60s and 70s, every sermon, every single sermon. I thought Jesus was coming every single minute, scared to death all the time. 
I needed PTSD from my church uh, as a child. Uh, all that aside, it, what it did was it set in place the sense of Jesus repeated multiple times. Why am I saying these prophecies are about the end times? This is about the culmination of all things. It's hard to imagine. It's way outside. It's beyond our logic and our capacities to fully imagine. Understand this, though. At some point, Jesus is, is, is going to come back. And when he talked about it, he, told, he said clearly, you guys are not going to know when. And he told multiple parables. Of all things in Matthew 24, what was repeated most were parables that said, you're not going to know when, but, but be prepared. The thief in the night, the th if the owner of the house would have known, when the thief was coming, he'd have been prepared. You're not going to know, so stay prepared. Uh, the, 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 good, the faithful servant, the unfaithful servant. You know, the employer went off and left a guy in charge and the guy thought his boss was going to be gone longer, but he came back and showed up, and if he finds him faithful, it'll go one way. If he's unfaithful, he'll be cast into outer darkness. You don't know when the employer is coming back. Uh, the parable of the ten virgins, same thing. So he keeps pounding this point because he knew us. He knew we would want to get a tidy chart, and I'm for the tidy charts, please. I, 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 I'm a subscriber to Tipping Point, so there. Uh, but he knew we would say, we want to get it pinpointed so we can sort of be in control. If he had told you exactly when, all of y'all would have goofed off until a week before. Come on, uh, seriously, it'd been, it's like, you know, get all holy the week before. Okay. And uh, it is by design that each generation has a time where it warms up and we think it could be us. And every generation has been convinced at some point. Pastor, are you casting doubt on now? No, here's what I'm saying. I'm telling you, Jesus was crystal clear about us not being crystal clear. We don't know, but he wants us to sit with a sense of sobriety and urgency with our eyes turned toward him because he didn't want us to trust our plan. He wanted us to trust him. Put your trust in him. My question then, have you put your trust in Jesus? That's your theology, that's good. Have you, it starts with this. Do I, do I trust God? I want you to know. Once he puts his name on you, if you're here today and you've never received Jesus, when you come to Christ, he puts his name on you. And once he puts his name on you for the sake of his great name, a whole lot of things get set in motion. The train leaves the station. You can't stop it. You need to be on that train. What, what am I saying? I'm saying this. At, at the end of all things, there's only going to be two groups of people. The scripture says nation will rise against nation. We're watching that. That means countries and countries, ethnicities. But it also says kingdom against kingdom. And I've always thought that was simply repeating another way to say nations. The more I watch us get closer, I believe it means this simply. The kingdom of darkness will rage like never before against the kingdom of light. We're watching that heat up to new vicious places. You need to be, you're in one or the other as you sit here. You're in one kingdom or the other. You're on his side. You're got Jesus. You're either for me or you're against me. Nobody gets to set it out. Nobody gets to set in neutral territory. You got to make a decision. And as the time gets closer, the pressure ought to be mounting on you. Listen, that's a sweet thing. If you're feeling any urgency as we talk about the return of Jesus, if you lose a little sleep over it, 
that ought to make you feel good. That means the Holy Spirit is tapping on the door to say, hey, you don't have all day. God loves you. Jesus died for you, but you got to make a decision. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Would you all stand to your feet? I'd like prayer teams to come to the front. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit is here. I've asked God, God, would you reveal yourself? The Jews are going to be saved because the Holy Spirit warms their heart to their need for him. The Holy Spirit is in this room. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, I trust the Holy Spirit's at work. If something's bothering, feeling some pressure on the inside, that's, man, that's a great thing. Your holy homesickness, you're about to get brought home. I'm going to lead you in a prayer of salvation. And if you'll believe what we pray today, you're going to be saved. And he's going to put his, in this building, before you leave, he's going to put his name on you. And you're going to give your life to him and you're going to be saved. All heads bowed and all eyes closed. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are moving and stirring and convicting and doing what no level of lawyer-esque argument could possibly produce. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to convict us and draw us to salvation and to warm our hearts. I'd like everybody to pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner and I've sinned against you and I'm fully responsible. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He lived for me, He bled for me, and He died for me so that I could be saved, so that I could be forgiven. You raised Him from the dead by Your Spirit so that I could be an overcomer. I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. Save me, God. Save me, Lord. And place your name on me. Make me part of your family. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. With your heads bowed, Father, thank you for saving souls in this room. Thank you for touching lives. And thank you, God for taking away sin. Thank you that men and women had your name placed on them as they've come into the family of God today. We love and honor you, Lord God. Thank you, Father. Thanks so much for listening to the Crossing Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. Keep up with everything going on at the Crossing by liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram, or subscribing to our YouTube channel. You can visit us online at www.thecrossing.cc. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you have a blessed day.